that's going on in Illinois, and a lot of people think it means everything's safe, but that's not really the case. Hi, Dylan. Good morning, Fawn. Thank you for having me. Yeah, how are you doing? Good, good. How are you? Good, good. So what is the SAFE-T Act? So what has changed now is someone's economic status no longer determines how likely they are to be in jail before their trial. The new system is more fair for low-income offenders who had committed non-dangerous crimes but were lingering in jail because they couldn't afford bail. Previously, it was correlated with offenders losing jobs, high rates of recidivism, but on the flip side, the trade-off to that is eliminating cash bail comes with new requirements for pretrial detention that are burdensome to the point where there is a risk of dangerous and repeat offenders being released and committing more crimes. Okay, so there's still room for improvement, in other words. Um, but if somebody, uh, just going to say for the sake of, of you know, argument's sake, Let's say, you know, it's an 18-year-old kid. You find him with some vape weed or some weed or something. Instead of putting him in jail and making him pay a huge bond and he loses his job and his, you know, his job is how he pays for his car or how he gets to back and forth to college or whatever the case may be, they're going to make that a little bit easier for him to get out? So it's at the discretion of the judge. There are eight categories that they use. Uh, like stalking or weapons charges. So I don't think that would fall into one of the eight categories. But, you know, anytime a state is the first to do something, nobody knows with absolute certainty what will happen. Right now, it's a waiting game. So far, the road has been reportedly smooth, but we have to wait and see because these sorts of offenders are, still haven't been thrown back to court. And so we have to wait a few more weeks to see how effective it really is. Well, I don't know about you, but if I'm the one being stalked, I want that dude in jail. Yeah. Or that woman in some right. cases. All right. So... I know that each city should probably have its own. Is that how it works? Does each city decide how they want it to happen? Um, so it gives a lot of discretion to local judges, yes. But, for example, if someone is in jail for a nonviolent offense or it's their first offense and they can't afford bail, they could lose their job or their house, which can make them more susceptible to repeated right. crimes, or in the worst case, violent crimes. And employment is one of the biggest deterrents of crime. Before, <laughs> people could be have their lives uprooted before their guilt was even determined in pretrial. So the solution somewhere between we're the first state to do this, but we certainly need to act more forms, and there's things lawmakers can do right now to make it better. Right. See, now, I don't agree with what New York does where nobody pays bond. I mean, no matter what you do, you just get out of jail free card, and then the cops have to deal with you 10 minutes later. You know, that's just a special kind of stupid. But this is for nonviolent stuff where, you know, the person maybe stole a candy bar or something like that, and... um just did something stupid, stole a bicycle. I don't know what the case may be, but it's it's not violent. It's not something that's going to hurt the entire society. And oftentimes, you know, you get thrown in the clink and you can't make bail and you haven't been proven guilty in a court of law, but you do lose your job. You lose everything. You can't pay rent. Um, so when you get out, you have nowhere to go. That's right. And you may not hear about those stories as often on the nightly news as other cases, but those people's rights in court are just as important as anybody else. Yeah. Well, I have a family member this happened to. So I completely get it. A completely nonviolent crime. It was a it was it was a car accident. He, sh he was driving when he shouldn't have been. But he ended up going to jail for it and um, couldn't pay any of the fines. And I wouldn't help him because you go to jail, you stay there. But it's like, you, you kind of lost everything for a very little thing. I, I don't think that's fair. 
Right. And one of the solutions is to provide courts with the infrastructure and the resources they need to make fully informed fact-based bond determinations. Like you mentioned, locally, some of the central and southern Illinois counties, their courts are smaller, their staffing is smaller, and so we want them to have the most resources they can to make the best decisions. Right. I, and I think that people should be punished for crimes that they did. But it, again, if, if I didn't do something and I was accused of it and I lost everything and then they found out I didn't do it after all and I'm still screwed, I'm up, you know, what creek without a paddle, I'd be pretty pissed off. Right, yes, because in the eyes of the court, you're still legally innocent until proven mm-hmm. guilty. Yeah, all right. So I, here, here's my idea, and not that it matters, Dylan, but um, no, we have ankle bracelets for a reason. And I know people get tricky with them, but the people who really are just waiting trial or whatever, I kind of think that's the answer. Sure. And again, that's at the judge's discretion, but that is kind of a, a compromise between holding someone in jail. It's more for certain crimes. I think you hear that more for uh, ankle monitoring if someone wants to go back and forth from work. They right. can tell by the ankle monitor if someone is just at home and their workplace. That's right. kind of a way to meet in the middle. Well, there's a, somebody just said they can cut them off and put them on their dog. Um, not really, yeah, because yeah, you can tell if they're cut off. Yeah, uh, yeah that's, that's not a thing, really. It's just One other movies. solution. Yeah, one other solution is to uh, enhance our truth in sentencing laws. So a lot of times people, when they are sentenced, they don't serve what they're given. And so one way to ensure that they do is to uh, be more rigid in people serving out their full sentence. You know, if they get 10 years and you serve six and a half, will be closer to that, the actual sentence that the judge gave you. Yeah, I know people who've gotten se- seven years and they're out in a month and a half. Right. That's exactly. insane to me. Because the person right. you perpetrated upon thinks they're going to be safe for seven years, and then boom, there you are again. I, I, I agree with you on that one, especially if it's a violent crime or a crime that involves a gun, a senseless violent act that includes a firearm. Um, I'm very much pro-Second Amendment, and any lawful person should be able to own a, a tank if they want one. But people who break the law and hurt other people with weapons senselessly should really, really have the book thrown at them. Yeah, no doubt. And that's one of the other things lawmakers can do right now. They can create guidelines for bail. Right now it's all judges' discretion, but lawmakers can pass laws saying, you know, between this and this range for this offense would be the guideline for bail. All right. So Illinois is one of the first states to do this, right? You've, uh, yeah. I mean, no cash bail anymore, right? Right. New Jersey did something similar. They really narrowed it down to just a few circumstances. Um, but this is the first time a state has eliminated cash bail. Yeah, well, it's pre-trial, guys. We're not talking about, you know, people who you caught them in the act of murdering someone with a gun in their hand or, you know, you caught them with a dead body, something like that. That's a completely different situation. We're not talking about that. But right. this is pre-trial detention of people who have not been found guilty. Um, this This is a way around having them have their lives ruined. Right, and before criminals kill still could get out of jail pre-trial. It was only if they could afford it. Now it's you kind of take the financial demographic out of it. Yeah, well, because I know some drug dealers who are pretty rich, and uh, they're not really worried about losing their jobs. They just want to get back out there and keep perpetrating. So, you know, it, it. It, it comes down to that. Where do people go to learn more about the Safety Act? Uh, IllinoisPolicy.org. Yeah, and it's all it's all in Illinois right now, one of the first states to actually really implement this. And we're still waiting to see how it goes. I mean, we're, we're trying to see. It's in the preliminary stages of us deciding whether or not it's a good idea, right? 
Right. This I think this bill is over 800 pages when it passed, so of course there are going to be things you can improve on as you learn more. Yeah. Dylan Sharkey is the assistant editor, Illinois Policy Institute. There's some sense to it, and there's some nonsense to it as far as I'm concerned, but it is one way of trying to make sure that someone who is wrongly accused doesn't lose everything. Dylan, thank you. Of course. Thank you, Juan. Appreciate you. Bye-bye.